Hey guys, it's your host, Seth Goldstein, with Juicy Divas, Confessions of a Limo Driver. And I have a very juicy, important announcement. Ever wonder how cool and refreshing it would be to hear your own voice on iTunes? Your podcast made at a touch of a button? If you haven't heard about Anchor, you are totally missing out. It's the most easiest way to make a podcast super practical, and best part of all, it's free. It even has creation tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone on the go or computer in the comfort of your own home, guys. What's even better, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with minimum listenership. It's really that easy. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. What are you waiting for? Download your free Anchor app or simply go to anchor.fm to get started. Until next time, thank you. Goodbye. Good morning, guys, ladies and gentlemen, children. Welcome to another Juicy Divas Confessions of a Limo Driver, where each week Seth Goldstein and Jim Francis Mesa bring you a wonderful episode, one that definitely marks the ages. This occasion, we have um, a great person whom every time I'm in his presence, it's like so palatable. He's a joy to have around. He's a great actor. He's also a model. And get this, he once worked at the World Trade Center. Ooh, I want to hear all about the World Trade Center. Um, he is by far one of the coolest dudes. And get this, he gets mistaken for Jason Statham almost maybe five or six times a day give it up for the one and only peter lavecchia peter yes sir how's it going man i'm good man thank you for such a wonderful introduction there pumping me up, pumping me up. Uh, <laughs> no I, I don't think we'd have it any other way is there any other way to do it i mean really I agree. we have to pull the red carpet for you man <laughs> thank you thank you sir I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we are super blessed and, and privileged to have you on the show. So uh, let's get started. Uh, I have that you're from New York. Well, you're New York, actually, New Jersey. New Jersey. Jersey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Off of what exit? One thirty-five. There you go. I have a net. My mom's uh, sister, my aunt lives in uh, Jersey, and, and she always jokes around with us um, about the different exits and stuff. And, yep. and how they have Gardens to the Parkway yeah. to get down to the Jersey Shore all the time. That's fantastic. So what was life like living in uh, Jersey? Tell me. I want to hear it all. We're going to peel back at the layers of your life, sir. Attempt to minutes. Um, what was it like childhood anyway? Were you kid? What was it like you know, living in Jersey? I know you live in LA now. Yeah, you know, I um I grew up in a suburb of Manhattan about, you know, 25 miles outside of New York City and uh, you know, very middle class suburb. It was nice. It's green, it's uh pretty. Uh it gets really hot in the summer and really cold in the winter. Um but I am very grateful for the upbringing that I had there. You know, uh, my parents are amazing and I had a, a great upbringing by them and I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I I'm, right. enjoyed life. I'm the youngest of four, so I've got three older siblings. And, 
you know, uh, I was the benefactor of, of all of their errors, I guess. So I guess the benefit of being the youngest, you, you know, they make the mistakes and either break my parents in or <laughs> I got away with a lot of stuff, needless to say. And I'm sure my brother and sisters would agree. Would agree. Fantastic. You spoiled brat. Accurate. <laughs> I have a myriad uh, slew of, of questions for you regarding uh, childhood. When you were little, on uh, you know you were you just uh, finished um, mentioning to us that that you were a that you were a brat. That you got um, you pretty much uh, you know you're blessed to have a great set of people and they must have inculcated into you great uh, morals and and and, um, and standards. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, did you grow? Did you grow up Catholic? Interesting question, Jim. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, sort of. But uh, the the to clarify on that. So, yeah, grew up Catholic. Uh, my father is Italian. My mother is Polish. And uh, you know my. Nice yeah, my brother, my sisters, they all went to Sunday school. And I distinctly remember the specific point in time where my mom came up to me when I was, I don't know, however old, however old you are when you start Sunday school. And she said, Pete, do you want to go to Sunday school or not? And in my mind, I'm thinking, is this a trick question? <laughs> and I said, no. No. <laughs> me <laughs> oh and i said no with a big question mark on the end she says okay good you're not going and of course my brother and sisters were all up in arms about that and we're like well what the hell like so uh you know i remember going to church you know as, as a child and then i remember that moment and then basically from that point on the you know the catholic part of the equation just kind of dissipated so not 100%, Jim, but, uh, you know, 10%, uh, 15%. <laughs> and this and this was the precursor to the crazy party, a bad boy, Pete, that I've, we've come to appreciate now. <laughs> At least that's what I like to think in my mind, although it's much less, much more subdued than, <laughs> than right. it yeah. was. No, I, I think that, yeah, I gather that, you know, you could tell just by, by the way you carry yourself, you're, you're very strict with, um, you know, there are, um, uh, definitely guardrails, so to speak, that keep you in line to do that kind of, um, you know, every day sort of to be able to thrive really in anything you do, right. You have to have, um, you have to definitely, um, keep yourself on uh, in line really. Yeah, very and true. I, it's a really good way to put it too with guardrails. But I, mm -hmm. I also think that in in my life and, and anybody's life, you know, there's there's certain times if you're ever going up some of those mountain roads, you ever notice when uh -huh. there's guardrails at some moments and then other moments yeah. there are no guardrails? Oh yeah, especially in Malibu. Try going up one of those canyons, dude. Oh my god. Exactly, and, and I think uh, you know we 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 try to put those guardrails up, but every once in a while they come down. So, uh, you know, and and that's okay. You know, sometimes yeah, you'll stray yeah. off off the road a little bit, but it's important. You know, you got to make sure you put them back up and, and come back on that road. So, uh, but I like that analogy that you just put up there. And, and it's great because because uh, due to that you keep yourself in line and, and, and sort of, 
you know, kind of you get sidetracked and then you come once again back and, and, and get back on track and put those guardrails up, so to speak. You, as a result, you've been able to be a, a model, right? You're also a model and and then you also work for Wall Street, which is crazy. And then and then you earn a degree. I want to hear all about it. Um, your modeling days. When did that start? Did that start like inadvertently, or when did so it start? So that started when I was in high school, and a lot of people were just saying you should you know, get into modeling or acting and whatever. And so I just basically submitted some pictures to a local agency in New Jersey. Uh, and they signed me up and I started doing, you know, a lot of, uh, in a lot of the malls of New Jersey, which New Jersey is famous for, I was doing some uh, runway fashion shows. Uh, yeah, which was really hysterical and a blast and a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I started doing that. And then I, uh, from there, submitted myself to uh, an agency in New York City and uh, I guess this is one of the benefits of being the youngest in the family at 16 years old. And I'm talking, this is back in like 1986. I started taking acting classes in Times Square on Saturday afternoons in New York City. So I would take the train into the city by myself on Saturdays. And this is when Times Square was not what it is today. Back when all those beautiful theaters and everything were peep shows strip joints triple x and there was just nothing but just debauchery on every street corner but as a kid i was i loved it you know and and how i never got mugged or jumped because i'm sure i looked like straight off the pages of a benetton ad or (laughs) a gap commercial (laughs) walking through with my backpack and going to classes and and i loved it you know i really enjoyed it and uh it it was something that i uh you know it it gave me a chance to explore a part of me that i really was not aware of and you know made me want to explore more of that so uh it was kind of uh, an eye-opener for me and uh, are you saying explore the peep shows or (laughs) <laughs> well, you're talking about the acting part, no? <laughs> I was too afraid of um, peep shows. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Probably get more than you bargained for, right? <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm glad. And, um, and so did you, uh, you, you know, obviously it piqued your interest. You got um, immersed into it. Yeah. And yeah. a young age, and that's great, you know. Yeah. Um, then yeah. what? Then what happens? Your parents wanted you to formal education or well, you know what happened was uh, what i kept hearing you know from other people was that what you should do is no matter what get a college education so you have something to fall back on and you're not just jumping in to this business wholeheartedly and That's i heard true. a few times i was like okay so i'm gonna do that and, uh, you know, I made that decision and I went to college and I went to school in uh, Boston to Boston University, go Terriers. And, uh, and I'm gonna business... <laughs> what was that? I'm going to bleep that, by the way. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got a degree, uh, uh, BA, uh, business administration, bachelor of science with a minor in finance. Very nice. And, well done. You know, when I finished college, I was just kind of like, well, my my family uh, spent all this money putting me through college. I should probably put this degree to use. So 
I kind of put acting and everything on the back burner again, you know, you know, went to college, right. didn't do anything in college other than, you know, study, maybe drink beer and party. What? And party. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't hear that part, by the way. <laughs> hey, it's part of the college experience, right? Yeah, it is. It really is. But you clearly didn't get out of your system yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. when I finished school, I uh, got a job in New York City and I was working as a currency option broker um, in New York. You know, are you literate in that field, what that means? Sure. So it's basically, let's say you go to Mexico and you've got to exchange your U.S. dollars for pesos. Or if you go to Canada, you exchange your U.S. dollars for Canadian dollars. There's an exchange rate. So right. that exchange rate fluctuates every second of every day during the week. It's constantly moving up and down based on economic factors uh, with the country or with that country's dealings with other countries, so on and so forth. And I traded a specific commodity that <laughs> traded a, a different um uh, instrument off of that, which is called options, option contracts. And basically I was a broker and I dealt with all world banks that, you know, had traders and they would come to me for prices on different, you know, time periods of, of contracts, one month, two months, three months, a year, two years. Sometimes it would be one day, two days, one week. Uh, and we basically traded off the, the fluctuations of that exchange rate. To make a very long story short, which I don't do very often. <laughs> you have all day, man. We would just honestly, we're we're gonna sleep here. I already have my tent propped yeah, up. Perfect. Yeah. perfect. <laughs> but, you know, it was a great experience, and you know, I started it when I was young. I was twenty-one. And wow, uh, and so you got your degree at twenty-one. Yeah. Wait, you got your degree at twenty-one? Are you trying to show off? Uh, I got I was like twenty. No, I wasn't an, I was not an overachiever. I was just young for <laughs> sure. Sure you were. Yeah. <laughs> so um That's amazing, man. That's very awesome. So what happens? You then how do you get to the World Trade Center? I guess is what I'm so anxious to get to the World Trade Center. I mean, it's just sad that it's crazy. It's gonna be what now since the since the nine eleven. Yeah. It was really yeah. uh really interesting. So a little bit of a backstory. So okay. I started working in the city with my uh, older brother. He got me the job. So a little bit of nepotism there. Um, a little bit. 100%. But, you know, my brother was and still is the best boss I've ever worked for because never showed any favoritism, you know, made me do my job, you know, earn, you know, earn my keep, so to speak. And, and didn't play favorites, so it was great. Um, but I had remembered back when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, he had told me, he says, oh, he's like, man, there's this huge deal that's going to be a game changer for me at some point. And said he can't expand on it, but whatever. He's like, you know, I'll let you know. And then when I started working with him at 21, I asked him, I said, hey, whatever happened with that deal? And he goes, it's coming and it's coming soon. He's like, you'll know. So it was a, it was actually a really exciting moment because what had happened was this other company had propositioned my brother to 
take over foreign exchange for them uh, worldwide. Uh, and I believe this could be, uh, my facts could be a little off on this, but, uh, and he took basically our entire desk from this one company and we all basically resigned on the same day and went to work for this company, uh, Cancer Fitzgerald, which was in the World Trade Center. Uh, and uh, it was a very poignant really special moment to be a part of because it was just a very seismic in nature thing to have happen in one company where this Man deals, trading huh? <laughs> desk all left or you know 90 percent of it left to start this whole new entity at this uh, at canter fitzgerald so uh i i remember it clearly that day it was it was you know, one by one, everybody came in and said, I'm resigning. And we all left and regrouped and went to start working at Cantor Fitzgerald. And we were on the 105th floor of the World Trade Center. Uh, Holy shit. The number one building. And uh, yeah, and that was uh, how we went what? on. I'm, I'm just curious. So it's, it's you know, I'm it's interesting to to hear somebody actually talk about as a place of work and so you knew the like obviously the inner workings of at least your department right yeah and yep. um how it worked i'm imagining like on any given day a shitload of people in that elevator like right around what so you say this is like 25 years ago or so yep. when you were working yep. what you say wow so you weren't uh, you when when did you i mean i want to go back to the trade center but last work there uh 1994 uh was uh, the spring or early summer of 94 is when i had left holy cow yeah so it was like just five years sooner than when the, the world trade center got targeted huh? six or seven years sooner. Seven. 2001. seven years okay yeah. so it felt fresh nevertheless didn't it feel still fresh and like kind of eerie to know that you had obviously been in those elevators and probably even spoken to folks that work there and that kind of thing. Did well, you lose anyone? Yeah. I mean, for that, you know, matter. Oh yeah. I lost tons of, lots of people that, uh, that I worked with, you know, a majority of the, the guys and gals that were there, I'd lost. Thank goodness. Uh, at the time, my brother, he had been transferred to the London offices. So he was living, residing in London. So he was not there. Um, knock wood and uh, oh, very, very fortunate uh, for that. But um, but what a lot of people don't know, Jim, is or either don't remember or it's just kind of faded away in, in time and history is uh, back in 1993, there was a first attempt to bomb escaped, the building. Yeah. That it had escaped my mind. You're right. In 93, there was an attempt. Okay, so what was that like? What happened? Your work, this all took place, right? And I, I remember it was about about twelve twenty five or something, you know, in you know midday, and we felt just it felt like an earthquake, you know, like a big earthquake, and the whole building just shook. The lights flickered on and off, all our computers flickered on and off, and everybody just looked at each other. It was really busy, you know. This is back in the day, we had like two phone store years, screaming, you know, trading, and. <laughs> We were just looked at each other. Everybody's eyes went super wide and we're like, what in the world was that? And somebody, I'll never forget. So uh, 
one of uh, our uh, brokers came in and said, hey, he's like, I think they're evacuating the building. And in true broker form, about five of us yelled, shut the F up, you know, get back to work. <laughs> and literally like right after that, another girl from the desk like ran in with like panic. She was like, everybody out of the building. They're evacuating the building. And literally like all phones yeah. dropped. We all like <laughs> ran to the door. And and I remember there was uh, uh, one uh, one broker, um, oh gosh, and uh, and he he was planning on leaving that day, and to go to Florida to play golf with clients. And his golf clubs up were up there, and I was still like a low guy on the totem pole. Right. He was like, "Hey," right. he's like, "Someone's gonna help me bring my stuff down." And like oh we just locked eyes, and I was like, "Ah," so. I carried his golf clubs 105 floors down the stairs. <laughs> You're kidding. I'm you kidding. Ran, you, you basically ran. At that point, it's like an adrenaline kick. Well, here's um, the thing and, and, is that the entire building was emptying out into the stairwell. So, like, we ran out of the office and got to the stairwell, and we got about five feet in, and it was just – it was gridlock. I mean, nobody was moving. Oh my God. And it took us probably a half an hour to get maybe down, I don't know, eight, nine, ten stories. God forbid, man. And, you, guys would have, you guys were like sitting ducks, dude. Yeah. And well, <laughs> we didn't know what had happened. You know, we, we all right. thought that there was a, uh, a transformer had blown up because there was a subway station right below the, the, the building. There was the, the New York subway line. And then there was also the path trains that go to New Jersey. So it was a big, you know, train station complex there. So we thought there was something that happened there. Like we didn't know that it was someone, you know, parked a car in the garage and detonated a, a van load of explosives. So we, we were, we were clues at this point. And this is before cell phones and, you know, instant, you know, information. So, yeah, which at that point probably was to our advantage because it left the panic factor out. But oh, yeah. as we slowly started getting down, you know, lower and lower floors, you could kind of smell the smoke and it smelled kind of electrical. And then all of a sudden you could kind of see a little bit of smoke. And by the time we got down to about like the 60th floor, we had our shirts covering our faces. You know, uh, the smoke was about two thirds of, you know, the, the hallway to the ceiling. So it was like, you know, it was thick and visible and there was definite uh, fear in everybody's eyes. Terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. Holy and then oh. there was one point where we had gotten to stairwell. There was a stairwell that was completely empty and we thought, well, is this not safe? So somebody had run down ahead and they said it was clear. We must have been around the 40th floor at this point and it was wide open. And at this point, it was like, like step, step, boom, step, step, boom. I mean, we were going down as fast as we could. And then once we got down to about the 20th floor, I remember seeing the New York City fire firefighters coming up and they're like, you're safe, take your time, just, you know, keep continue down. So, uh, and then when we got down to the plaza, we saw all the fire trucks and ambulances and people in the crowds. And we, we realized the size and the scope. But even at that point, we didn't realize what it actually had happened. So it was, um, it was, uh, it was something else. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm like all this in and it's like literally affecting me. I'm like, in a in a, in a way where 
Well, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I can't fathom to, I mean, most people couldn't put their, wrap their head around that whole subject matter. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're like thinking and, and, and on your toes and, and there's, because it's unprecedented, hasn't happened before. Yeah. There's no yeah. clear path or clear cut path as to what to do. Um, you know, and then, and then you finally get that, you finally get out of there. And then did you feel at any given point, like, okay, was that kind of the preamble to you? Like saying, fuck it, I'm quitting at some point. Cause you kind of thought this can happen again. You know, I didn't feel that way. And, you know, maybe it was just the, the cockiness of youth. Uh, but right. there were a lot of people in my office who did feel that way. Um, but for me, you know, the reason I got out of the business was, you know, I loved learning the business, but I learned that I did not love the business. And I was doing it. I was doing doing it solely for the money aspect. If I were to stay in it, it would be doing it just for the money only. And I just that's that was not enough for me. You know, I need to I need to love what I'm doing. And not be entrapped in something that I, that I don't enjoy, uh, if that makes sense. So I don't know if I put that. Sure, absolutely. So then, I mean, a lot of us have had other career paths, you know, choices that we had made for um, monetary reasons at the time. Yeah. Or or because yeah. it just sound it was like a sound thing to do. But like now, it's a perfect segue to sort of go. So. You transplanted to Los Angeles, or what happens next? So, before I started working in New York City, I had uh, in 1991 when I graduated college, I moved to San Diego temporarily with some college buddies. And shortly thereafter, I wasn't there very long, I moved to New York. And I specifically remember thinking, you know what, Pete, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to go to San Diego and figure it out because you love it there. <laughs> and that's a good place to start as any to be happy and, uh, and to make your next move. So that's basically what I did, you know, and, and I just knew that, you know, my heart and soul uh, is in Southern California and uh, I've awesome. always, you know, uh, you know, it's like the song California dream. And I always just was, you know, attracted to, to California and Southern California. And, and I'll tell you a funny story about what <laughs> one thing that I always thought of, like when I was really young is when I'd be watching football on Sundays and back in Jersey, you know, it'd be four o'clock, five o'clock at night, you'd be watching the second games and you'd see, you know, like the Rams playing, you know, and it'd be stunning and like beautiful or the Raiders playing or the Chargers. And it was just gorgeous out. And I would always think, man, like they still have more daytime there. They're out having fun still. Like I want to be there. <laughs> That's what they played at the Coliseum back in the day, right? Yeah. 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 Just, uh, I, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I love to surf. I'm an outdoors person, uh, which is funny, you know, no one in my family is really an outdoorsy kind of person. Uh, you know, I never went camping or hiking or anything as a kid. But for whatever reason, it's just something that speaks to my heart. And I wanted to be, you know, out, out here so I can do more of those things. And it's, you know, I just find it more beautiful out here. Uh, you know, the the, the land. Here, the, cut the, cut the, the shit. We know that you came here to bask in the sun and all the beautiful blonde babes here in L.A. 
one hundred percent. Our beaches are amazing. That's a fact, and no doubt, you know, um, a lot of people. That's a uh, number one of LA because of the beautiful weather and sun and 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 Hollywood, right? Which brings me, uh, which begs the question: like now you're here in LA, and and then you begin what auditioning, or did you find a, a so, you know an agent or a manager? So I started in San Diego, and uh, and, and it's funny. So I, and I'll bring this up. I'll explain later. But I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, okay, I'm moving to San Diego. But what I'm really going to be doing is I'm going to get back into acting. So I uh, started taking some acting classes down in San Diego uh, for you know what they had to offer back in the mid '90s, and got an agent down there. Kind of got in with a really bad agent, really kind of smarmy. the The guy was not; he was, uh, was, he was uh, a con artist basically, and got me one or two jobs here or there. But he was just; uh, it just was not. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Tell the truth, he was bleeding you. Yeah, just it just I don't know. It just wasn't right, you know. So left him. Same. Same experience, and we'll talk about that off for yeah. sure, off record. Yep. Yeah. So and, and, what and then got involved with another agency down there, Elegance Pam Panky, who I'm still with. Pam, shout out, love you tons. Uh, and uh, you know, slowly starting getting more and more work. But the funny thing is, Jim, is that, and I can say this, uh, you know, throwing all my, you know, being completely vulnerable, I always felt like my family would not accept me. If I said, oh, I want to be an actor. So I kept it a secret and I didn't tell anybody really. I, you know, wow. was taking classes and, you know, I got uh, involved with this agency with Elegance and Pam Panky and uh, she started getting me auditions, you know, down in San Diego and I started booking jobs and I was just getting things, you know, like, Fantastic. like, you know, small regional gigs or, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Like, uh, you know, training videos, industrial videos. Sure. Hey, but the ball was rolling, right? Um, yeah. And, and I mean, it wasn't like steamrolling because San Diego is a small market, especially back in the <laughs> really early yeah. 2000s. But I was getting, you know, I was getting a decent amount of work. And then one time my parents had come out to visit me while I was down there. And I had done a commercial for Aladdin Bail Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> And and it was like it was like to that point it was like my biggest gig. It it aired like the entire West Coast and Hawaii, and my parents came out. I didn't say anything, you know. We had just made dinner, and I was in the kitchen like doing the dishes or something. And my parents are watching TV, and all of a sudden I I was like, Pete, what the? Hey, we just what you just on TV? I was like, oh yeah. I forgot to mention to you. I'm kind of doing this on the side, blah, blah, blah. There you go. <laughs> and they were, you know, blown away. And, you know, it was just one of those things where, and even then I still played it down. I'm like, yeah, I'm just doing it on the side. And, uh, Some dude pay me a hundred bucks to do this on the side. And I said, what? I'll do it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. But with the same mindset of, you know, I, I felt like, uh, you know, my family wouldn't accept it at the time. I still wasn't jumping in with both feet. And, uh, you know, when I moved to San Diego, 
you know, I started bartending and working in, uh, worked at a Hyatt hotel downtown San Diego as a, as a bar back and then a bartender. And, uh, I did, you know, sales job for a short period, but always kind of bartending. And, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I should open up a restaurant, you know? So silly me in 2002, I made <laughs> the mistake or the life learning experience choice of buying a restaurant and uh, oh yeah really yeah. i didn't know that yeah, yeah so in 2002 uh me and a friend of mine we bought a restaurant together opened it up it was called crush uh in the hillcrest area which is like the the, the west hollywood of, of san diego and uh had a restaurant for five years and i always say it was the longest 10 years of my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you, it was brutal you ought to probably work day in, day in, day out, night yeah, and day. Yeah. It is a tough business, and I have all the respect in the world for anyone who uh, owns a restaurant, and especially if they're running a, a successful restaurant, because it is tough. It is never-ending. And I always say, no, it's like by the way, your finish line just keeps getting further and further away. I, I feel your pain, dude. I worked for Scott Zaki, who died a couple of years ago from Zachy Farms Chicken. Oh, okay. Here. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, and, and they had a restaurant, Nona of Italy, out in West Hollywood. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. I worked there for about a year or so as a floor manager. Honestly, literally, I was depleted um, by the ninth hour. We were there like mm -hmm. 11, 12 hours. It was a very long, long, pretty long days, and, and um, the weekend couldn't like really come soon enough but i only got like saturday off and then sunday we'd, we'd open like just for a few hours you know and then Brunch. and Brunch. and i was yeah so basically it's what i did for about a year I had no life i was tired i i you know and i was just the floor manager i can't even imagine like the owner but i know scott it was a different situation with scott since he was he was a multi-millionaire and, and it was just like a side gig it was like fuck it let's try it out if it works good if not who gives a shit? My money, you know. He had that sort of a, of attitude going in. So, at any rate, but yeah, it's it's crazy, man. My honestly, nothing but respect for those who who stay out for years and years oh, out. There. It's a grind. It really is. It's a lot of moving, working parts. Yeah, you got to deal with a lot, and then, and so you have it years and then at some point you call it quits and say fuck it i'm done five years you know we we sold the business and uh, you know ironically as soon when we had bought the business and started it of course i started booking more and more work and uh you know i was just you know burning the candle at both ends for for a while there right. you know that's when it kind of started gaining momentum and then once we sold the restaurant uh, which was 2007, I, you know, was starting to come up to LA for more auditions. Uh, Pam was getting me some more auditions up in LA from time to time. And, and I was, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, I got to get up there. I got to get up there. But I had, uh, you know, a lot of other things just in life. I had to iron out while I was down there, uh, which we could save for another day. But, you know, it took me about another five years after we sold the business. It basically took another five years to get the whole business finalized as far as the sale. And once I reached that point, that's when I said to myself, okay, you either go to LA now and jump in this with both feet 
or you move on to something completely different. And I am the kind of person where I will not be able to live with myself. Is there something that if there's something that I've wanted to do and I didn't do it, I just sure. can't, I can't uh, that will be nagging at me for the rest of my life. So I said, okay, fuck it. I'm going and literally, over your head. Sure. Yeah. And at 42 years old, I moved to LA and jumped in with both feet. And I tell you, Jim, <laughs> there were days I'd be driving around laughing like I am right now saying, are you out of your mind? You're 42 years old. Are you hey man, this year we're we're in, we're living in 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 the now and and where 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 you know like you have people that have made it at 50, people have made yeah. it at 55. There's reality TV and people, you know, there's just different ways of skinning a cat. It's no longer like a a one size fits all formula. It used so to be true. that so if you didn't make it by 40, you make it by 30 something, 35 for that game, you know? Well, and I can, you know, and I can tell you, Jim, I, I have met so many people uh, and I, I've learned, you know, through life, through a very, very good friend of mine, Mark Chavez down in San Diego. Well, shout out to Chavez. Uh, he's a, What's up? He's, he's probably the best communicator i've ever met in my life and he always asks people questions and whenever we were together we, we would meet somebody new he would ask people really good questions about life and you know marriage careers their struggles their you know this and that and i, I can't tell you how often i've talked to people and you know fed off of you know mark's questioning people me asking you know basically inquiring about you know you know trying to find out trying to figure out life really how many people have said to me hey i'm still trying to figure it out people at 40 right. 50 60 70 years old they're like I still don't even know what I'm trying to do, you know? So it's, you know, and, and maybe, maybe the answer is you don't need to know. You just need to go after what you want to be going after. So. I, now I have a hard time believing that you can't, um, for some people, you know, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult. Everyone has their own journey is the way I like to think of it. And so, um, you know, for us over 40, um, you know, we have a lot, a lot really like just, a lot of terrain to be uh, plenty of opportunities out there. Now, speaking of opportunities, I know you like jump. There's a, can we talk about a little bit on touch up on, um, let's touch on pitch, the pitch, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. I want to hear all about that. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really exciting. That was my first ever, um, uh, TV show. Uh, it was the pilot episode for a show called Pitch, which uh, was about the first female baseball player, uh, or she was a pitcher. And cool. uh, I had booked that. It took place actually in San Diego. It was They used the San Diego Padres as the team. So they used Major League Baseball and uh, and I had booked awesome. down there and uh, it was exciting. It was, uh, you know, it was funny. I had gone down and I auditioned for, went down to audition for one role. And when I had walked into the audition, I knew the casting director from being in San Diego so long. And she was like, Peter, how are you? Where have you been? Welcome back. <laughs> and in the audition, she goes, hey, listen, she goes, I've got like three or four of the roles that I could see you in. Like, can you just take, you know, the sides outside? And then come back in and have you audition for those as well. And I was like, absolutely. 
So I went out, I auditioned, and I mean, like, I mean, like, three out of five of them were probably recurring roles. And of course, I got uh, cast for <laughs> the flashback scene <laughs> when she I basically played the, uh, the scout that recruited her. So, but it was really cool. It was, uh, it was exciting. It was with, um, uh, Michael Beach and gosh, and I can't remember the girl's name. Who was the star? Um, she's in the show. Oh gosh. Um, great actress. She was awesome. Oh man. It's escaping me right now. I'm terrible, but, uh, yeah, that was really fun. And, and it was funny because I remember it's like, you know how some shoots, you know, they're, you know, 10 12 sometimes 14 hour days i got there and we shot it in about three hours and i was just kind of like so you guys want to do like make another run through of this or are you sure you got the shot and they're like, yeah we got it we're good kylie kylie yes kylie bunbury yeah kylie kylie bunbury and and oh uh, oh wow you had ali there too huh yes yep yeah. But I, my scene was with uh, Michael Beach and Kylie. Michael Beach played her dad, and uh, and Kylie's now on that really uh, popular show on ABC right now. I'm sure you can probably see it. Um, yeah, she's she's definitely a, a, a name that's Yeah. Yep. Wow, yep. that's great, man. So, so uh, you know, I really enjoy you know when I, anytime I hear of these type of uh, situations um, where. You know, if if you meet the right people at the right time, it's it kind of the stars sort of line up for you, such as the case in in this case where you knew the um, uh, you, you knew this one lady who was the you know the casting director, and, and you know your foot in the through the door so to speak because you knew her. So it's very hard times to to meet people, huh? Go out there and meet different folks. You just never know the hand you're gonna take might just be that hand. Yeah, very, yeah, very, yeah. You know, and it's it's putting yourself in the position to, you know, uh, <clears throat> I hate to say this word, you know, the word luck, but you know, some of it is luck, some of it is putting you in position to be lucky, and and you can you can frame that by saying, yeah, like you know, shaking the hands and knowing the people. It's putting in the time, really. It's putting in the you know the the hard work, the you know. Yeah. Auditions and, yeah, auditions you know, and, and yeah and doing you know you know taking the jobs you know that yeah, sometimes people wouldn't take or sometimes you know wouldn't do you know or i mean it, it's funny so in saying this this reminds me of a, a short film i had done and jumping back to uh my likeness of uh jason statham I remember going to an audition uh, at the New York Film Academy for a short film. And I got up, you know, the elevator and I'm walking through and there's a whole bunch of, you know, audition rooms. And I'm walking by and there's this big glass window in the one room. And I see this kid jump up and he waves and he runs out the door. And he's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he goes, he's like, oh, my God. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, he's like, I swear. He goes, I thought you were Jason Statham for a second. And I was like, oh, no problem. No problem. So... <laughs> he's like come on in you know so i go into the room uh-huh and there's you know there's a table of like four or five people sitting there and they're like okay so you're reading for the role of i can't even remember like the role of david or something and i was like no i'm reading for steven and they're like steven like 
there is no role for Steven. Like, blah, blah, blah. Ends up, I'm in the wrong room for my audition. <laughs> and they're like, okay, so awkward, well, right? do you want to read for the, for the role anyways? And I was like, sure. I go, Let me go hit my other audition and I'll come back. They're like, totally, no problem. Totally. I go in. Great story. Wow. The audition that I went in for, never got. The one that I wasn't supposed to go in for, I booked. <laughs> you booked it. You landed. Wow. Primarily because there's one crazy devil at the door. He's yeah. like, oh, God, it's Jason Statham. And I was just like, yeah. sorry, mate. It's the perks, the perks. <laughs> yeah. um, I yeah. think that that is an, a great story and a great analogy. And in, in, in it's true testament that being at the right place at the right time many times and having the right energy, your dynamic energy um, is very contagious, my man. And, um, uh, you know, and, and it speaks volumes of when you come in, it's like if they like you, if you read and if you're ready, like you said, you must be ready, put in the time so that when you deliver, you deliver upon cue, you do a hell of a job. You know, you you bat it out of the out of the game. Um, you know, out of the the park, and and then you land the freaking you book the gig. Um, I think that is amazing and very inspiring. True, um, awesome story. I really uh, love that. This, yeah. Your, and I think uh, not to to interrupt you, Jen, but you know, I get a conversation with some of my friends sometimes where you know we talk about whether it's acting or you know your career work. You know, it's you know, uh, sometimes things can get repetitive or, you know, you, you get in a rut or whatever, but you know, to not, me, the, the yeah. thing is, is you got to make it fun, you know, make it a yep. game, make it fun, make it entertaining for you. Because if you can do that, right. man, like, then, like you said, it's, it's infectious, you know, people see that they feel that because if, if you're not there mentally, you know, people pick up on that too, man. And you, you got to be, totally. uh, you know, enjoying life, enjoying yourself, enjoying and uh, uh it's all about the journey right once you arrive you've arrived yeah but it's really all about the journey man i mean it's the you know the nooking and crannies of everything i mean the getting there different um, doors that get shut on you because there's plenty of doors that get shut on us but in the end um yeah it really is about that terrain getting in and looking back on it and how how amazing that is, you know, and I've had speaking of amazing. I mean, we're, we're almost out of time, buddy. I got to tell you, you got to come back for a second um, interview. There's no way I'm leaving you without you promise. Pinky swear. Pinky swear. Okay. All right, guys, that's been fun. Excited to have my buddy, uh, Peter Lavecchia. And um, we are excited. Another wonderful episode of juicy divas confessions of a limo driver in the can guy. As I promised before, um, and Peter, uh, please, a truly amazing experience this has been for me and for most of our listeners, I'm sure. Um, and we'll have you back, okay? Dude, I look forward to it. My pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me, Jim. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, before you go, I want to ask you for your handles, so social media handles. This way we can follow you and people can stalk you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's Peter Lavecchia. It's L-A-V as in Victor, E-C-C-H-I-A. Lavecchia. Peter Lavecchia. That's fantastic. It's been great. It's been fun. Thank you. Until next time. Likewise. We'll talk soon, okay? Next time. Bye-bye.
Blessings.